You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. The city screams in terror. The village is under attack. Dracula, the mummy, Frankenstein's monster, his bride, and more are on the rampage, and your team of heroes must defeat them. Each monster offers an entirely unique challenge, and players can adjust the difficulty by playing against a new group of adversaries every game. Overcome them all before the horror overwhelms you. Welcome to Tabletop Arcanum, we're your hosts, Justin and Ricky, and that's right, today we are talking about Horrified. Put up by Ravensburger Games. Uh, designed by Prospero, Prospero Hall. Hall. Jinx, but that's okay. Yeah, no, uh, so we're actually, before we jump into anything, we did want to talk about a few things. We are going to be restructuring. A little bit. A little bit. But what we're not getting rid of is the role recap. Ah, you know, yeah, let's, let's jump straight into that role recap. It's going to be easy for me. Because I played some Horrified, and then other than that, I've been moving, so I haven't been able to play a lot of games. I've missed out on, unfortunately, our our uh, Arkham Knight, our uh, D&D Knight, so I haven't really been doing too much. Justin, what have you been up to? Well, we're talking between Labor Day mm-hmm, mm-hmm, happened mm-hmm. between our episodes, so I haven't been... Uh, at that the uh, desktop normal nine to five, I had some extended weekend time, so I took some advantage of that. Uh, but in order of events, uh, played scenario seven in the circle undone by uh, Arkham Horror. We're one step away from the final completion, which we'll be doing tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, this time you can make it. I will be there. Uh, learned Burgle Bros which was a nice uh, tile exploration game where you're working through three levels cracking safes and then have to escape. And all of your different characters have different special abilities that they can trigger. You're trying not to be caught by the guards. Um, and actually, if you look up the... It's three 4x4 four four tile... or Yeah, it's like three 4x4 four four tiles um, sets for each level of the, the complex that you're in. But uh, some people have been cleverly creating 3D printed versions of it where it is three physical levels and they're tiered. That's um, very cool. But it does take a lot of printing and a lot of uh, like EL wire work and things like that because you want lights between the levels because otherwise you can't see through and see what the tiles do. But uh played the regular version of it. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I believe the Kickstarter for Burgle Burrows 2 just finished too. So um, good stuff there. Played some Final Hour. Uh, ran through a couple friends with that one just to see how they'd like it. Mm. Um, then Labor Day came, and I started uh, the morning off with a solo uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse, and then went to a buddy's house and played the entire Rise of Fenris campaign for Scythe. Start to finish, we did three episodes that night, and then we met back up in the morning and finished the rest the other five so eight games of scythe pretty much back to back with a um sleeping break after episode three which had a lot of uh unlocks and like a big you know 
climactic cliffhanger moment, so we figured it was a good time to call it there. Um, did do a uh, almost a tweet-by-tweet tweet for the game uh, on my personal Twitter, which I shared to the Tabletop Arcanum sh- uh, Twitter. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, follow that through uh, at Sid Pikes for myself or at Tabletop Arcanum for the podcast itself. Um, played... Then I started diving into Horrified and playing Sentinels of Multiverse still. So started playing Horrified, played some solo, played with friends, played multiplayer solo so I can see how the game twisted between one hero versus two versus three versus four versus five. So I probably put like maybe a dozen plays or more of Horrified because it's not a long game, which allowed Mm -hmm. me to get a lot more reps into it. Then... Uh, introduced some people to the Arkham Horror 3rd Edition uh, with the other new scenario for the Dead of Night expansion that isn't still yet to come out. Um, it was going well until it wasn't, which is pretty much every Arkham Horror game yeah. I play. Uh, also, I got my copy of Dune from Gale Force 9, so busted that out with a couple friends to kind of have a very rough first game to figure out the rules, get the uh, basic core mechanics down, because it is a, once you learn it, not very complicated, not very complicated, but there's a lot of small rules that are easily overlooked because the manual isn't very well laid out. Um, And then finally, played some Subterra and Journeys in Middle-Earth. So it's been a lot of gaming in the last couple uh, weeks here. Free time well spent. Oh yeah, very much so. So, talking about the format, we're going to keep our role recap because it keeps us fresh of what what we what we're up to, and we'd love to hear what games you're playing too. Mm. And either the you know Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, let us know the things that we're going to be dropping. Um, really. We're not going to be focusing on the news or the Kickstarter corner as much unless there's something that catches our eye that we're excited about and we'll we'll talk about it. And we're going to be kind of replacing that with kind of a short topic or feature, just something that's on our brains for that week or, or mm-hmm. two to kind of have a small discussion about before we dive into the review. And that's the other major change is we're going to be doing more reviews and less general topics. Mm-hmm. So the plan is to do... Um, a review every episode so every two weeks we'll have a new review out probably mixing it up between some new stuff that's fresh out so we hit the uh the the cult of the new but then also look back at some of the classic games that uh have been out since we've been started because we're we're barely not even a year old yet so and there's game tons of games that have come out in the past year that we just haven't had the time to talk about yeah exactly so that all being said um, one of the other things that we want to do uh, with that is possibly splice in bonus episodes in between the reviews for things like talking about Gen Con or talking about our Arkham Horror, or not Arkham Horror, uh, Arkham Knights. Mm-hmm. So these little side events that we do um, keep trying to do the main review episode, but also supplement that. Mm-hmm. And do a little bit more. So these are some of the changes that we have coming up. If you have anything to say about them, like, please don't take my news away. This is how I learn about games. Tell us. Because mm-hmm. um, you listen. We just talk. So we'll talk about what we're passionate about, which is pretty much anything gaming. 
Exactly. And you can always reach us at, at the Tabletop Arcanum, um, either on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, reach out to us, let us know anything. And mm-hmm. follow us anyways, because we will be posting news on there. We're what going we're to, doing. Yeah, exactly. Like my game-by-game uh, game tweet, which is spoiler-free, so don't worry about looking at it And if you haven't played Rise of Fenris. I, all the pictures I posted are like start of game, no new components are visible um, mm. so that it's uh, still safe to see if Can you haven't enjoyed it. by everyone. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so that's going to be the big things. I did have a couple topics to kind of talk about today in this new format. Mm. First one being is uh, Stonemeyer Games announced Tapestry at the end of Gen Con, kind of like the week after which is their new two-hour uh, civilization-building game for up to five players. And the big piece about it is uh, it went on pre-sale on the 4th, or f- last Wednesday. What was that? Yes, the 4th of September. Mm-hmm. Um, what Stonemeyer did this time, which was a little bit different, and it's this is all coming off of the feedback that they got from Wingspan early in January, where they did unlimited number of pre-orders, so everybody who wanted to pre-order the game directly through them could. And then what ended up happening is the print run was small enough where they filled the direct orders, but then all of the retailers didn't get a lot because the distribution centers didn't get a lot because they sold so many direct. Mm-hmm. This time they limited the number of pre-orders directly, saying we're only going to pre-order X amount. And then that way the majority of the first print run is actually put to retail and distribution chains. But now we're running into the, or what Stonemeyer's running into is the other end of the issue is now there's people who want to pre-order directly through them who can't. Because mm. it was going to be a four-day, Wingspan was a seven-day pre-order window. This was a four-day window and still ran out in half the time. So it was uh, 36 hours before they had filled all of their allotted pre-orders. So kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't Mm -hmm. situation that they're in. Um, I know Jamie, who's head of Stonemaier, is actually soliciting feedback Mm -hmm. uh, through his blog of like, tell us what you would prefer because honestly we need community feedback. Mm -hmm. The... Nice thing is, um, you know, if you look at it from a business perspective, if they do more direct pre-orders, they are making more money off of the game, which Mm -hmm. is, and in his article, he actually wrote some of the numbers out of like, if we actually did half, this is what it would be. And it's a significant, like, not just a few thousand, like more like 60 to $80,000 difference. It's a huge chunk of money. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if they sell the game to a distributor, they're selling at the game at forty bucks versus getting the full um, pre-order was eighty dollars. The full game is actually going to be uh, ninety. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a huge chunk of money on the table that they could feasibly grab, but they're also trying to make sure it's fair and that nobody's uh, hurt by this process. Yeah, which is admirable to say. Yes, that's a great idea. I just don't think it's a winning situation. This is like a Kobayashi Maru of board game publishing. Yeah. You can't, you're not going to make the direct customers happy at the same time making distribution and retail happy. Yeah. 
So thoughts? I mean, it's it's a rough one. I mean, it's also one of those direct sales versus retail is the other issue that we're having right now, mm-hmm. and that's with FFG, where yeah. they're doing a lot of pre-orders. They're they're all about when you're on the website. Um, it's a mixed messaging. Yeah, they tell you to go to your your um, friendly local gaming store to pick up their new products, but a lot of the times they will have their exclusives if you buy them through their website. Right. So this has been a thing Fantasy Flight's been doing this year primarily. Mm-hmm. It started. It kind of started last December, but mostly it was it's been 2019, mm-hmm. and. They've gotten a lot of feedback. They have gotten a lot of negative feedback about the process and people saying this, is, this isn't this is fair for retailers. And if you're saying in your website even goes like add to cart, go to checkout. Hey, are you sure you want to buy here? Don't you want to support your local store? And then still have an exclusive that local stores can't get. That's, that's what I think where the problem is. What they have shifted a little bit from the beginning of this year to mid-year is the pre-order exclusives. Um, are like full art prints and like mm. non-game stuff, but collectors are still going to want some of nice that. Nice stuff that you want anyway. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, you want that full art, you know, Khal Drogo. If you are Arkham it's fan, you want those nice Arkham art prints because honestly, their art department is amazing in some mm-hmm. of their stuff and what they do. It's like... um Last year when we picked up a uh, third edition of um, Arkham Horror, we didn't really need to have a hardcover copy of the rule book, but it was very nice that since we pre-ordered it in a store that we received it. Now it's right. They're, so they're starting to move that, away from having us pick it up ourselves. That was the the change from 2018 to 2019. Mm-hmm, exactly. Is the retail stores uh, for Twilight Imperium 4th edition and Arkham 3rd edition were able to put their pre-orders in and get those hardcover rule books from mm-hmm. the distribution. They're not doing that. And I think if they went back to something like that, where if the store got to pre-order, had to put so many pr- on pre-order, and if it was pre-ordered by X date, whatever number they had, mm-hmm. they're going to get X amount of art prints for that number. I think that's the answer mm-hmm. to appease both camps of like, because the stores have to put their pre-orders in too. Mm-hmm. As long as they there's like a, very known cutoff date in the uh, distribution knows about it and they talk about it with the stores so it's kind of falls back on communication being good here yeah so if that all works then great if i can still support my local store pay the same price i would online and get my you know art prints Mm -hmm. great but I know a lot of people are frustrated because they want to support the local store, but they also want this product the local store can't get. Yeah. Um, they had an issue with... Um, Journeys of Middle Earth had the play, the player yeah. play mats that mm, were very miscommunicated because it was like, were they actual like small play mats, like the neoprene cover, or were they just paper? Because the distribution said to the stores that it was actually paper, but it ended up not being... So mm-hmm. it was it was a very big mess, and that was like the first thing, and a lot of people were upset from that part. Yeah. Where, um, I believe it was at Gamma. No, it wasn't Gamma. Uh, yeah, no, it was Gamma this year. That was a question raised from retailers because it's a retailer focused event. 
of like you guys did this what what about us you, yeah. you said you cared about us and now it feels like you're not so in what we're seeing right now is kind of the layout of the rest of that plan because it was kind of like here's the plan we had to put in the pipeline so we're still writing out all that initial decision I'm interested in seeing what 2020 holds if they're going to continue that model and keep it to like art prints and postcards and non game things mm. I don't know if I'm going to like it still no. I, I, I still would prefer my local store be able to have access to those things if I put my pre-order through them yeah Exactly. So. And, you know, we, we forge these relationships with these store owners, and we want to keep supporting them. We don't want them to come to us knowing that we are big fans of Arkham Horror, big fans of whatever, of anything. And they go, hey, uh, should I put you down for another copy? Sorry, I went straight to them and picked it up. That's right. like a, a double kick to them because they already know they're not going to receive it, and they know because they can't receive it, you went where you could get it. Right. So it's... It's a tough spot to be in on both sides of the, pretty much all sides of this equation, whether you're the end user consumer, whether you're um, the publisher and distribution, or your retail. Like, mm-hmm. there is, I think, a better answer than what we have, but I also understand that uh, they have to write out what the first decision was until they can course correct, because those things take time. Mm-hmm. So. Those are kind of our topic pieces for this episode. We'll kind of um, keep talking things like that. I do have one more. Oh, you do? Um, I did see a really cool Kickstarter uh, recently, mm-hmm. and it's not for the normal fact of it's a cool Kickstarter. It's still a cool Kickstarter. Um, actually, uh, Jasco Games is has picked up um, Evil Dead 2, the board game. Mm. Now, this was a, a an extremely successful Kickstarter. Um, I want to say it was like two years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they had they got ten times over their their original goal. Um, Space Goat Productions had put put up this game. Looks beautiful, fantastic minis, and then just never delivered. So yeah, Jasco Games has got the rights to the game. They're up right now. By the time this episode comes out, we'll have one more day on it. But their big thing is if you back this project, they're going to create a second game or your your purchase of the game is going to be for a copy for yourself and then a copy for one of the other um, one of the backers of the previous campaign. So they're trying to pull through and and still um, deliver on another company's promises for the game so definitely check that out it looks like a fantastic game it's somewhat of a good cause for you to back it because it is going to get someone what they rightfully deserve okay it's nice to see someone step up and and try to right or wrong yes there there's enough um hardships out there with some of the other kickstarters that i've seen fund and then fall through for xyz reason mm-hmm. that um it's nice to see something like that happen yeah so ready to talk about horrified i'm ready to talk about horrified okay so horrified we already kind of talked about a little in the beginning uh but ravensburger uh is putting this one out it is based on the Universal Studios monster movie, so your Wolfman, Dracula, Visible Man, 
Creature from Black Lagoon, Frankenstein, and The Bride of Frankenstein. All those Frankenstein's classic monster, monster movies. Excuse me. Nah. Well, yes, but yeah. that's not how it was published back then. Fair enough. With the Fair Universal enough. movies. So I, a couple of years ago, I started making a Halloween tradition to watch the Universal monster movies, usually on Halloween, mm-hmm. um, just because I can. And I enjoy them. They're they're very campy and trope at this point uh, when it comes to horror movies, mm-hmm. but there's something great about the silent movies or black and white horror movies are just they're great to watch. And they brought us to where we are today. I mean, mm-hmm. now everything's hyper hyper violenced and everything. Right. It's nice to go back to just where some it started. Basics of yeah. Yeah. So plays one to five players mm-hmm. in about sixty minutes. Um, and what I've noticed, I can, solo-wise, I could probably crank this game out in 30 minutes or less. It's when you add the second, third, fourth, fifth player that you get closer to that hour. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing when you add more monsters to your mix. you can That'll extend your gameplay a little bit, too. But it does play fast, and that hour is about right. Mm-hmm. It's a fun uh, co-op game. Um, it's So you work with everyone to fight against the universal monsters you can Mm -hmm. add as many monsters as you want to increase the difficulty Uh, and it's it's a very easy to jump into game there's there's not too much that's complex about it right so that's kind of our overview let's dive into first impressions so i I really dig the art on this, but you have a big gripe with the box already. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even think about this until you pointed it out and then looked at it and thought that it was going to be a real issue. Yeah, it's the second hot game that I've seen do this. Um, I know there's some others out here, um, but Vilnus did this and so did Horrified. The box isn't actually shrink-wrapped. They instead went with ceiling stickers on the four edges so if you actually want to peel the stickers off, you're actually going to be ripping parts of your box off because they're that type of sticker. Um, the best solution is actually just to take a knife or letter opener and slice mm-hmm. very carefully along the edges to open the box up. So it is the the first impression of that's what you went with sealing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Um, I, know a I, lot I get companies wanting to cut down on shrink wrap and, and wasteful plastics. Mm-hmm. But I don't think this is the solution I'd go with. Yeah. With um, big companies like Hasbro just announced that they're going to be moving away from all disposable plastics in mm-hmm. their their boxes by the year 2022. Yeah. Uh, you can start seeing that um, affecting a lot of people in, in the board game industry just wanting to make sure to cut down on whatever they can to right to help there is a lot of wasted plastic with shrink wrap or Mm -hmm. cellophane and there there is i'm not going to deny that there there could be probably better ways of doing it Mm -hmm. um i liked your you you were talking about uh especially you know ravensburger they make puzzles they make puzzles lots of puzzles so one of the things that they could have done and i don't know if i would actually enjoy it until i you know, had it and had a game and actually had that feeling. I would want to see how the wear goes on it, but yeah. Right. So puzzles have that overlap that seals them that you slice open, but it's the the paper wrapping slice mm-hmm. opposed to a sticker. So it 
perforates a little weirdly, so it can get a little shreddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you open and close, puzzles aren't meant to be open and closed that often, which is why I think they work for that. Mm-hmm. I think board games might have an issue with how often you actually tend to play them. Yeah. So that's the, the first impressions I had on the outside of the box. Mm-hmm. When I opened the box, though, it did impress me. We uh, we opened the box. Because we- I do like the old um, Universal movies. So the board is actually set up where one pack panel that one of the back panels that you're seeing has one of those very classic uh, silent movie still frames with all the, the text wording mm-hmm. saying. Uh, we feel it would be a little unkind to present this game without just a word of friendly warning. You're about to unfold one of the strangest tales ever told. We think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such such a strain, Now's your chance to well, we warned you. Right. So it's 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 nice right away. It, nice heavy theme. Gets you really right good. into the the feel of the board game. And then the lower lid um, on all of the edges has um, av- advertisements slash kind of like it's the creature from Black Lagoon. It's Dracula. So like every inch of the box is actually screaming theme and and, and usefulness in that mm-hmm. sort of like keeping you enticed um the components themselves are very nice uh good heavy stock cardboard for the player board uh player uh, hero pieces the token bag is actually a nice durable um sack that mm-hmm. you're going to be drawing out of that doesn't seem like it's going to fray after six games because mm-hmm. i definitely played more than six and you played more than six so it's still holding up very strong yeah um and then the the item tokens that you draw from it are actually like a thick cardstock cardboard too so component-wise, it's very nice. Um, the monsters themselves are plastic sculpts. The, we did have this discussion about... We had the discussion the Invisible Man is not invisible. It's like a dark blue. In the original... The, uh, in the, in the, as the regular version. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did have the promo at Gen Con that you ended up with, which is a clear version of the plastic Invisible Man, which I'm wondering how the cost was to see if... It's neat to do as a promo, but probably main production was not cost-effective enough for them. Mm-hmm. Could be. I don't know. Could be a second thought, you know. Oh, you know what? That would have been really cool. All right. Make a bunch of them. We have yeah. the mold. Uh, oops. Yeah. Let's make a promo out of it. But I like it. Oops, all invisible men. Oops, all invisible men. All invisible Draculas. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. But... I do like um, even the the monster cards are super cool. They're all individualized. They all have um, a little extra flavor to them. Um, right. So there's a lot of good components to this game. Mm-hmm. Um, the tile overlays for the different monsters because, like, Dracula, you have to find his coffins. The coffins get placed on the board. And they're, again, that nice heavy card stock um, and cardboard. The one thing that was seemed to be a little nice, both nice and a little extra, is some of the monsters will have overlays for different locations on the board, which ultimately all they're really doing is telling you what special action you can take there mm-hmm. that is related to that said monster. So mm-hmm. if you're facing the Invisible Man, you have to take things to the precinct, and then you put a precinct overlay on the board that says, hey, as an action, you can do this thing, which is also on the Invisible Man's card. 
Mm-hmm. So you get it in two places. I don't think it's necessarily as needed to have its overlays, but it does lend to, all right, that's the one we're doing. I do like that compared to the reverse. I have seen games where on the board they print out the actions, and then if you're not using Invisible Man and you're in the precinct, like, oh, okay, what can I do right now? Nothing. Nothing. Even though um, it's printed. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like... I like the way they did it. They could have, you know, I've seen companies do this. If they just put like a token or action marker or something like, hey, leave this on the precinct when you set up the Invisible Man because that mean that will tell you to refer to his card. Mm-hmm. And you use that same token for all the different monsters. Mm-hmm. Something like that could have worked as well. What they did is fine. There's plenty of components in this game that it's not overkill. Mm-hmm. So... That's kind of our first impressions. Positive things about the game. What do you think? The art is spectacular. Um, I thoroughly enjoy pretty much anything that's on here. Um, mm-hmm. It does have a old movie poster feel to everything. Um, very bright, vibrant, um, almost campy, but still a lot of fun. Um, the other thing I did like is this is a good, um, it's an easy game. It's a, a, a game that you can get done within that hour. So if you want to play a game with friends, you don't want to spend three hours to figure out whether or not you messed everything up in the first hour. It, it's, it's something good to jump into. What are your feelings, Justin? So positive things I do like is... It's pretty fast to set up. It's pretty fast to play. Mm-hmm. Um, the turns and the actions are pretty straightforward, um, depending on which hero you're playing, as everyone, almost everyone has a special ability. Uh, I found it very pandemic in that sense, mm-hmm. um, where you're just, you get three to five actions depending on who you are, and then you have a special ability that trick that can trigger as well. And here's a list of things that you get to do. Every Pretty much everything you do is an action. It's just... Are you moving? Are you mm-hmm. picking up stuff? Are you using stuff? It's all very intuitive if you've played any sort of action um, mm-hmm. action usage uh, economy before. So I do enjoy it for those aspects and keeping it light and simple. The cards are... For everything being like heavy cardboard, the actual cards for the monster actions and the... Um, boons you get from uh, helping villagers out are a little on the thin side. Mm-hmm. Like for some reason, like everything else feels like this great component, and then these the, the decks of cards just feel a little weird. I'm not sure where that came from. Yeah, I mean, it feels thinner than like a normal play uh, set of playing cards. Right. If it was like a playing card size laminate, mm-hmm. I think it would have been a little bit nicer, but. The component quality is something I do enjoy, ex- with that one mild exception. Mm. So everything else looks beautiful. I love the tokens. I love everything. The in there. sculpts are great. The sculpts are good. Um, if we had hero sculpts, I think that would have been another bonus. But I can see definitely for cost effectiveness because mm. the game does clock in at thirty four ninety nine. Mm. So for hitting that price point, you got a lot of nice stuff in a box a lot of premium for not a lot of cost right you're not paying premium dollar for what are personally good components so really happy to see some of that let's get to some of the not so great things about 
uh, horrified. I know your feelings on this. I know, I, but I, I want you to have your piece before I go into it. Yeah. So um, the one downside is it is a little... If you play it as it intends, it's a lot more of an interesting game. If you really play it and look at how to win or beat this as quick as possible, you can completely ignore different components of the game and be able to move through it real quick. Right. So um, so villagers will randomly pop up and monsters will target them if they're the nearest. And the terror level goes up if they get eaten is how I kind of phrase it. Mm-hmm. Um, attacked, devoured, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that track only goes so far until you lose. Fine. But you can ignore them. And as long as you're dealing with the monsters in another way, like, oh, I'm closer, so they're just going to come to me instead, or I have this card that allows me to move them, you can ignore the villagers. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're still working towards your goal, it's it's mm-hmm. a viable strategy, yeah. which definitely takes away from the, the city's terrified feeling. Yeah. It just turns into, okay, just move, 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 done. Right. So, so anything else? I know you had some strong feelings. I I thoroughly enjoyed this game. We'll get to final thoughts. Yeah, no, 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 I know. My cons on this game come down to is I believe this game is coming from the cult of the new and is being overhyped and over over excited about, but doesn't deliver in the gameplay. Mm-hmm. The components are great, but gameplay is lackluster. I don't feel challenged unless I was playing with four monsters. Mm-hmm. which is supposedly expert mode. I should still be challenged on normal. I understand on the intro game where you play Dracula and uh, the creature of the Black mm-hmm. Lagoon, they're the simplest and easiest monsters to manage. So, yes, you're really just learning the mechanics of the game. But I can play... I've, I played a couple of those with people, and our terror level went up maybe once mm-hmm. before we won. Yeah. it's There's no... There's no risk, I guess, in those lower level, lower complexity games um, that isn't easily taken care of. So the the difficulties, I think, are a little bit skewed. I would almost say um, three, four, or even five might be a little bit more of what I would have expected out of a modern board game as far mm-hmm. as its difficulty difficulty not necessarily in the complexity because i like the different complexities of the monsters because some of them like Dracula's pretty simple he has four coffins you have to destroy the coffins and then you go beat them up mm-hmm. whereas the mummy has like this slide puzzle scarab thing that you're doing on a sideboard that you have to solve and he starts flipping things face down and making it harder as time goes on before you can defeat them. And that that's a little bit more challenging, a little bit more complex. So I like the complexity that they have pretty complex monsters and not so complex monsters. And I think that is where the difficulty should have been more focused opposed to um, the actions and how many monsters you use. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like um, it's fast-paced enough where they're throwing those villagers out there real quick. No. Uh, that they became... that. It made it parts, more of a, should I really work on this right now, or should I wor- work on getting them out of there? Part of the problem with that, and I and I can kind of point to this in this one, 
is the enemy event deck. Mm. You always use all of the cards, even if you're not using those monsters, because there's it spawns X amount of items, mm-hmm. which is like zero to three. So that's kind of a randomizer, and that's pretty good because you need items to survive and, and do stuff. You also get maybe an event. Some of them are generic villager shows up here, but sometimes it's, oh, Dracula does this. If you don't have Dracula on the board, then you have no event. Mm-hmm. I think one of two solutions could have come from this. Either as part of building the monster, they each have their own little maybe 10 cards that you shuffle in. Mm. Like each monster gets its own little mini deck that gets mixed in with the generics to customize that deck a little bit towards what you're actually playing. Or, mm-hmm. and hear me out, in with the Dracula event, if you don't have Dracula a secondary event happens instead. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, if Dracula, Dracula does this. If not Dracula, Villager appears instead. Well, it's also like the uh, movement at the bottom. The so movement not even... balances that out a little bit, but not But there are so the many time. times that when you play that you pull a card, and I just picked up a bunch of cards out of it, and the top seven, Dracula wouldn't have moved at all. Uh, what is the frenzy of monster moved? Oh, uh, that's true. That's true. Right. I so the, the one, one mechanic I do enjoy is because on the bottom it says this monster, this monster, this monster activates. But usually most of them will include the quote unquote frenzy monster. So there's one monster that I consider is super mad or frenzied. And sometime and then they have a little fire icon that you put on them. So mm-hmm. whenever that fire icon pops up, they're. They're the frenzy monster that activates, and this can cause some of them to double activate. So if Dracula's icon's listed, you activate him, but if he's also, and then the frenzy monster's listed, and he's also the frenzy monster, he gets to go again. Mm-hmm. That's a cool feature. I did enjoy the idea that there was one monster that's, like, aggressive acting, Yeah, but I believe it's, the mechanic was really put in there to balance out the fact that not all the monsters on all the cards mm-hmm. doing things all the time. So that's my gripe on this game is like as nice and fast paced as and, and easy as or as as light as it is, it's almost too light for your heavy heavier gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit on the. I think um, this is a perfect time to switch into recommendations. Mm-hmm. This is a game that was great for your non gamers that are a fan of horror movies but aren't really into gaming yet. And is a good action-based gateway game that isn't quite pandemic level of, like, you get screwed mm-hmm. by the game, but is definitely on the lighter side. The downside to that is things like Pandemic or Seven Wonders or Lords of Waterdeep, which I do enjoy as gateway games. As a heavier gamer, I still enjoy those games, mm-hmm. and I can still find challenge in those games. I don't think this offers that. It's good for novices mm-hmm. to get into, but if you're playing a novice game with people and you want to water it down, you as a heavier gamer are not going to be as challenged by it, and that's going to luckily only last 60 minutes. If that, yeah. If that. So it's kind of a pro and a con, but I would recommend mm-hmm. this for your lighter board gamers, trying to get someone into it, like a spouse or significant mm-hmm. other. Um, 
but I definitely would advise if you're into heavier games, more complex mm. games, I'd pass on it for that yeah. reason. I would suggest this for, I, I know it's um, ages 10 and up. It is a good game to play with the family. If you want to mm-hmm. play with some kids, um, like I'm going to play this with my niece and my nephew, um, they would get a real kick out of it. Because um, it's, it's, it's not that uh, my niece and my nephew still want to play um, Arkham Horror and the LCG with me. But that's a little and, beyond that. Yeah, still. I'm not going to, my nephew's eight. I mean, he's, he's bright for an eight-year-old, but he's not Arkham Horror bright for an eight-year-old right that is going to be something that once he can finally fully read something and comprehend exactly what that means then yeah we'll sit down and play it but i would definitely play this game with him because it's the the most wordy thing you have to do is read a card and even that not really yeah it just says dracula moves to a crypt right place maria at the barn like it's it's a very quick Mm -hmm. uh, sentence or two yeah um, I would suggest this again, like you said, gateway for people who are looking for simplistic games just to quickly play. Um, I know this is a game that I will be playing with my girlfriend on mm-hmm. several occasions because she likes cooperative games. She likes um, games that aren't too, too overly complicated. Right. So she would probably really enjoy this game. This reminds me of like the first three levels of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. When you add that fourth monster is when it gets to like the fifth or sixth or seventh stage of Harry Potter. Yeah, that's why someone like her would be very good on this. Mm -hmm. But someone like me, like I slog through those first three books and the Harry Potter if I ever... But she would really like this game because Mm -hmm. it is that game that you can start off really easy, get her in the swing of things, getting her comfortable with it, and then slowly build that difficulty. So when we play in the future, when we sit down... It's kind of like we play Harry Potter now. When we used to start playing that game, or when we started playing that game, it was always, we're starting a new night, we're starting with book one. Right. Now when me and her play, we're jumping straight into book five or book six, because she Mm -hmm. really wants to play the game. Right. It's a game that she's going to start off with just the... Dracula uh, and creature. Yeah, and and play it a few times, get used to it, and then say, you know, you know what, let's... Let's Let's add a third monster. Yeah. So... Horrified has a place in some people's collections or some people's gifts. I think mm-hmm. I think if you're mm-hmm. trying to, you know, someone who likes horror movies or, or likes the genre and you want to give them a board game as a gift and they're not really big gamers, this is a gift giving mm-hmm. opportunity. It doesn't have a home in my collection, though. It has a home in my collection. I'm I'm going to still play the hell out of this game. It may not be the first game I pull out, but if I'm having a casual night with some friends, and that, that's the other thing between me and you, whereas you're, you, the majority of your friends are heavy board gamers. The majority mm-hmm. of my friends are heavy either video game players or horror movie fanatics, or um, they're not the ones that are used to sitting down and playing um, um, Twilight Imperium. They're not used to playing right. anything. Like I said, and, yeah. it has a place. Yeah. Not in my house. Yeah. My house, fine. I did send a copy of this to um, one of my coworkers all the way out in San Diego um, because she's a huge um, she's a huge horror movie fan, mm-hmm. and I know she's going to have a blast with it. So mm-hmm. that's final thoughts. Mm-hmm. So next episode, we'll be jumping in and doing a kind of an I feel like an overdue review of the Arkham Horror LCG for us. Oh yes, sir. I've been playing it since 2016 when it first dropped, and you've been playing a little bit less than that. 
I would I would say just a little over a year if you're, we count you're, that. You're floating about a year. Yeah. So, because you dived in slightly right after last Gen Con, mm-hmm. which is about where we are now. So, yeah, yeah you've probably got a year on it. And um, we talked about your addiction game of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. It's my turn. Yeah. There you go. So next time with some Arkham Horror LCG discussion. You've been listening to Tabletop Arcanum hosted by Justin Taylor and Richard Geese and featuring the original music by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. You can follow us on most social media platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for listening.